Ave Maria, grazia plena, Dominus Tecum. and welcome back to the Red Text Podcast. My name is Voga, and I am Voga Illumisente on Instagram. And I am Rai, aka the Mestizo Mystic on Instagram. And today we have such a special guest. This one is probably the worst person I have ever met in my entire life. Um, and this is kind of like a full circle moment because this is when this is how we actually initially met. Like, actually had it. This is where we met is on the podcast. Um, but she has become one of my bestest, bestest friends. She is awful. She's, you'll smell her before you see her. Um, we, <laughs> we have Francisco, who is the Wicked Witch of LA on Instagram. But actually, you're going through a rebrand soon. So I want you to mention Ooh. your rebrand because by the time this episode airs, I think your rebrand will actually be live. So that's right. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and all that stuff? Sure. So my name is Francisco, currently going by the Wicked Witch LA. Uh, since I started this current Instagram journey, um, and yeah, this is literally how we met, which was over a year ago now, right? Almost two years ago. We're we're going on almost two years mm-hmm. since we've met. Um, Voga is very right when she says that I'm one of the most awful people <laughs> that she's ever met. Like attracts like, so that's it right. Makes perfect. That's sense. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like Voga was saying, you know, I'm I'm currently going through a rebrand. It's been a long time coming, and I've been feeling it since it was around the time that Voga and I actually met that I felt that title of the Wicked Witch of LA dying out, but I never really gave it the time to actually sit on it, manifest it, what I want it, what, what I want that name to be, what I want that image to be like. And it kind of came down to the name that I want to, that I'm going to go by on Instagram. You know, I wanted to reflect who I am as a practitioner, as a devotee of La Santa Muerte, and who I am as a Mexican. So that name is going to be revealed very soon. It'll come out. It's nothing crazy or extravagant, but it is going to be different. And it's going to be a lot more aligned to who I am as a queer Mexican practitioner. You can go ahead and announce it because by the time this comes out, you're gonna your rebrand is gonna is gonna be done. This is probably gonna be coming out oh, within the okay. next two weeks, so you can actually okay. put it out there. So there's actually I'm still juggling on the names, kind of. I'm kind of fixated on one already. Uh, Voga's already heard them, so there. Originally, I wanted to go by the Child of Scythe as a, as a devotee of La Santa Muerte, but the more I Oh my god, my cat's going crazy. Uh, the more I thought about it, I kind of wanted my name to be in Spanish because that's kind of the majority of the community that I serve, that I associate with. So the name is most likely going to be El Brujo de la Guadaña, which is the Witch of the Scythe. Hmm. So cunt. 
Um, I'm very excited for your rebrand because um, Wicked Witch of LA doesn't work for you because you're a dirty, dirty transplant. And I always tell people that all the time is that because (laughs) the bitch is not even from LA. So um, Wicked Witch of LA is not not suing for you. So I'm really happy that you're doing the rebrand because I, I hate dirty transplants like you. Yeah. And I hate dirty LA. So it works. <laughs> LA is disgusting. Yeah, LA is disgusting. And the people that are from yeah. there, oh my God. sticky city, sticky people. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm very excited for your rebrand. It's going to be really cunt. It's, um, oh, some of our friends have started using, um, instead of using cunt, we started using clit. So it's like a little bit more cunt. <laughs> so it's like, this is really clit. I like this. It's your, your new name's going to be super clit. Um, Christian, stop trying to make fetch happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Please, I'm a trendsetter. I'm Bogo <laughs> Lumicente, for God's sake. Um, yeah, so I'm really, really excited. Um, but you're right. We we met almost two years ago. You were on the podcast. Um, we talked about um, Santa Muerte. I think you were like our fourth episode, I think. Um, so right mm-hmm. at the beginning of the podcast, um, yeah. it was one of the most popular episodes we ever had. And it's still getting a lot of views. Um, but yeah, that was when we first initially met and then I eventually met you in person, unfortunately, and we became really good friends. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. I felt really bad for her. So I felt like I had to be her. Which friend. is so funny that you say that because now we're business partners. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now we're making money together. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, it, Rye, was this the first time that you had like a conversation with Franny too that, that day? I think I think so. Yeah, I don't think we had like had ever FaceTimed or anything prior to yeah. that episode. We like chatted, but never never like actually talked. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, the last two years. Yeah, that was the first proper conversation. The last two yeah. years have been kind of wild, especially with the growth of the three of us, the friendship that we've had um, and that we've cultivated. Um, shit has really gone like, especially here in LA with Francisco and I, because you know we we hang out all the time and we're now business partners, so we we're we're, we're always doing stuff together. And the shit, the growth that we have had in the last two years, the glow up that the two of yeah. us have had, especially, and then the glow up that Ryan and I have had on this pod, like it's incredible how far we've come since that initial conversation. So far, so far, yeah, it's 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 incredible, mm-hmm. and just seeing how your podcast has grown and. I'm not just saying this because I'm your friend. I'm saying this as a true consumer of your podcast. You have one of the best podcasts out there. Oh, thank you. It's one of the most genuine. It it feels so raw and real. Like, I feel like I I, I trust everything that comes out of your podcast and the people that you bring onto your podcast. And I can't say that about everyone else's. Thank you, sis. I appreciate that. Yeah, we work really hard for it. But um, before we get into it, um, let's do a little check-in. Rye, how are you? You know, this year's been rocky as shit, but this last week's actually been pretty good. I've done like a lot of traveling and socializing with friends I haven't seen in a hot minute. My partner and I took a day trip to Yosemite on Wednesday, and it was so beautiful. It was his first time, my second time, most beautiful place on the planet. Um, Yosemite is really gorgeous. So fucking gorgeous. And then last night, my partner took me to a belated birthday dinner because he was sick the day of my birthday. And when I, like, I'm a huge fucking foodie. And this was like an Argentinian, like classy restaurant in San Francisco. It's called Lolinda. This is my first time ever ordering a steak at a restaurant. Bitch, every single time I took a bite, my eyes were rolling in the back of my head. It was so <laughs> And that wasn't because Kevin was under the table? No, um. no. That was later, Ooh. but <laughs> but uh, it's been it's been a good week. Um, I actually start school again tomorrow, so I'll be gone for a week, uh, a week long retreat for school. I leave tomorrow afternoon, mm-hmm. so no recording then, sadly. But 
Uh, I'm stoked to be in some nature with my classmates and friends. Yeah, go but, touch um, some grass. I I need to. Mm-hmm. I need to. Yeah. I need some. I need some grounding, some earthing. Mm-hmm. But um, but how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm going through this transitional period right now because I I got a new job. I, I think I mentioned in the last episode I got a new job, and yesterday was my last day at my prior job. Um, congrats! Oh God, I'm so excited. Now I'm going through. I, I think it was like a couple episodes ago I mentioned that I was going through a reset. Um, or I did a reset, mm-hmm. I'm doing another reset because I think this was just a good opportunity for for me to just start clean, um, like just fresh slate. You know what I mean? Um, I wanted to like reset everything, not everything, not, not like the, the last reset I had. So like you can see behind me, like this is just a pile of laundry that I need to take care of. Um, so right, that's kind of what I've been taking care of. I have a week off because I gave myself, you know what, I'm going to, after my last day, I'm going to give myself mm-hmm. a week off. Just, As you should. Yeah, just to like recharge, get my social battery back up. Um, I had a, it was a friend's birthday party yesterday, so it was really nice to see some friends. Um, a lot of them are our friends. It was a the Blast to Meet Circle friends. Um, so it was really good to see them. And now I'm just like getting into the groove of, preparing for a new environment, preparing for a new job, um, resetting my life just so that I can start off fresh um, and use this time to just recharge. Um, but I'm excited. That's something that, I, um, that I'm very, very, um, I'm trying to kind of like, I just want to like live in the excitement a little bit because it's been a long, long time since things have changed in my life. Um, job wise like i've been i was at that prior place for seven years and it was just time for i'm just excited for like just a change you know change of a rhythm change of a environment something new something to cultivate something mm-hmm. new to cultivate you know totally um and then franny and i are are still show prepping we have a show in september um that we're going we're, we're very very excited for um it's called market of the beast it's run by a friend of ours um heather who's based in washington and it's so cool they're bringing this really incredible event to um to la and we're very very excited um and we're actually we're actually 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 we're we're actually going to be starting um uh handcrafting our own novena candles so we're like this month we have no events because we're we're trying to like get back into the groove of like actually handcrafting everything that we make and so oh gosh we're i'm so excited to do that um but yeah i'm okay i'm actually doing really well i'm really really excited for some stuff but um franny thank you um franny how are you i'm doing really well um the years start off very rocky for me as well you know yeah it was kind of was forced to move out of my previous home, which was very heartbreaking because I loved that studio. I did too. I that was the best it little was a studio. Cute place. Yeah. It was so cute. I loved having my patio garden. And, and it was so close to it, everything. It was so close to the bar yeah, that we frequent. Right in the heart of, right, right, right there in Silver Lake. Right in the Lake. heart of Silver Lake. Everything was, it was right so there. nice. It was so perfect. Um, so it was like a forced move situation. So I had to get out of there. You know, now I live in the Valley. Which isn't bad. It's not a bad place where I live, but I do miss living in Silver Lake a lot. I would love to move back. And yeah, the, the, there was drama. V, you know every detail. Uh, of that. Yeah, because the, the drama it, involved me, yeah. and I was <laughs> yeah. God, it, it was a there was a lot happening, and outside of that, there was also a lot of things going on in my personal life. You know, with my family and extended family, there was a lot of drama going on. Um, 
so those first two, three, four months were just absolute chaos for me. And I would say in the last month or so, things really started picking up for me. I mean, V and I really started making progress and growth into our into our business, Vita Mortis, which if y'all don't follow, please follow on Instagram, Vita Mortis. Underscore LA. <laughs> Underscore LA. And, you know, I got a new job as well, just like V uh, about eight weeks ago. I got a new job at a nonprofit in downtown, which I am absolutely loving. It's very, very rewarding. And my craft as well has just taken a wonderful turn. And things have really been looking up for me. It, it's funny because uh, when I did a beginning of the year spread for how the year was going to turn out, like the she first spread her legs in front of the mirror months, and then that's how she... In front yeah. of a mirror. That was yeah, and it was just pure tower. It was just the tower. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was just, um, like, it was just a, a, a smelly, moist, greasy, skanky tower. Yeah. Skanky tower. Exactly. <laughs> so I remember the cards that I drew were like eight of swords. It was like the ten of swords and I think like the five of pentacles. Oh, yikes. Like in one spread and I was like, God damn it. But the transformative aspect of those cards and the direction where those cards point you to, I knew that halfway through the year, things were really going to start picking up for me. And lo and behold, that process has been happening for me now for the past few weeks where things are picking up, really starting to look bright. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously not immune to obstacles, but at least I have the means to get through them. Totally. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to hear you're on the come up. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And she's also loves coming on, get, you know, getting cummed on. So. And I love being yeah. c- come on. So the yes. come up and yes. come on. It's all, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had a very good past two weeks. <laughs> I, I fully believe that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I fully, be, yeah, I fully mm-hmm. believe it. Listen, I, I, I've always been fully transparent on this podcast, especially with the relationship I have with my friends and with Francisco. Fran, Franny and I have gone to men's meetups and sex parties together before. And, Franny is very popular. We're both very popular, but Franny is very popular. We are. <laughs> I mean, have you noticed that every time we've gone to the sex party, we we end up making friends with people? Oh yeah, we like sit and kiki. We make. I love that. Yeah, we sit and kiki with people. It's really interesting, actually. This would be a really good conversation for um, the post show. Actually, is um, the cruising culture and uh, the cru- cruising queer culture because I think it's something that a lot of peer people experience, and part of that is orgies um and they're so much fun and mm. it's not even just the sex but just like meeting people and like kikiing with these people like who have like common interests yeah. it's 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 actually really really interesting and like to hear their like deepest darkest secrets and as like why they're mm-hmm. there you know it's it's really fun um yeah we, and it's also nice just having someone there that can watch your back oh yeah you know? oh that's why that's why i mean the first time i went to the men's meetup i went by myself but i was like this would be so much more fun if i had friends with me um and, Which is really hard for you to do. Yeah, because I, I just don't have a catalog of friends. Um, no. So, but like the second time or the third time I, I went, I brought Franny with me and it was it was such a blast. Mm-hmm. We had so much fun. Yeah, um, a lot of fun. <laughs> is that the one you turned the lights on by accident? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's one. That's the one. That's the place. Um, I wish I would have I been there for that. I, I think I was in a different room. Mm-hmm. I think you were too. Right? I, was, I was in there with... Uh, we'll we'll talk about it in the post show. So if you guys want to hear that story, yeah. um, please subscribe to the Patreon, and we'll I'll put it on the post show. We'll talk about it in the post show. Um, mm-hmm. But we have a really really exciting topic to talk about today, Rye. What are we talking about? Why do we why why is this smelly witch here with us? Yeah, we're talking about brujeria, and I'm just so stoked because I don't know. I feel like that term is thrown around so much in like the spiritual social media sphere that it's kind of like 
lost its actual cultural like meaning in in some cases and so i'm so happy to have um franny here with us to talk about brujeria someone of mexican descent who can actually share what it is how it looks like in practice uh, i definitely want to ask your opinion on who you consider should be able to practice brujeria in general um but yeah that's that's the topic of today oh before we get into it franny um can you just let the mm-hmm. audience know what your pronouns are and how you like to be addressed uh, you can use whatever pronoun with me, he, she, they, it, all of the above. Okay, perfect. Um, cool, yeah, so that's the topic. Franny, can you, um, the when you were first here, we were talking about Santa Muerte, and we, we did kind of, kind of, um, the topic of brujeria kind of came up, but we didn't really talk about it in yeah. depth. So um, mm-hmm. for folks who don't, who are not aware, and also for the, for for me, obviously, I mean, I've seen your practice firsthand, or not firsthand, but secondhand, and we've we practiced together, we've crafted together, we've casted together. Um, so I I do have um, you know kind of an idea of what kind of flavor your craft looks like, or what it what it looks like um, just to see your magic work. Um, but can you give us kind of like a little maybe synopsis of like what it what what it means, what the term means, where it comes from, and um, the cultural significance of it? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, brujeria, there's two meanings to brujeria. There's the literal translation of witchcraft, which can cover any cultural witchcraft that exists. It is just a literal translation. But then there is also the word, the title, brujeria, which is Mexican or Latin American witchcraft, folk witchcraft. So, those two are separate in a sense, so the word brujeria can mean either or. It's an umbrella term because brujeria is such a wide net you're casting when you want to define it. There are so many spiritual practices, paths, beliefs, and cultural origins that exist within the umbrella of brujeria. So just within the context of of Mexico, because that's where my family's from, like I can't speak for the rest of Latin America, um, but within Mexico itself, brujeria has become this amalgamation of all these beautiful cultures and beliefs. So you have, of course, the obvious Catholicism and Christianity that made its way into Mexico through colonization. You have all of the indigenous spiritual beliefs, which there are thousands within just Mexico alone. And then you have other cultures that have made their way into Mexico over time. So you have um, you have Afro-Cuban, you have East African beliefs, you have Haitian beliefs that are being practiced uh, in Mexico pretty commonly, Irish, German, Chinese practices. So all these cultures throughout the past 300 years have made their way into Mexico. The people immigrated over here, brought their spirituality with them, and thus it began to grow and develop within the native practices of Mexico. So Everyone's practice looks different. It does vary from state to state. So in Mexico, the practice I do may look different from someone who practices from Zacatecas or Chihuahua or Guanajuato. You know, all these states, there's so many different roots that are planted in each one. So it does vary by state, by region, by culture, and then by person. That was such an in-depth, wonderful umbrella explanation of that. I tried my best. I girl, words are hard, huh? You did a good job. Words are very hard. What, what part of Mexico is your family from, Franny? 
Uh, so my immediate family is from Baja Norte. And then I have extended um, family members, aunts, uncles, my grandparents that are from Chihuahua and Jalisco. Okay. I would love to know if you're willing to share, like, where you learned how to do brujería. Like, was it from within your family or were there teachers you had when you were still living in Mexico? Or uh, how did you come to, to incorporate that as your, your spiritual practice? So the way I learned was, well, one, Mexico is so superstitious. To all my fellow Mexicans out there, you know we are such a superstitious country. So ever since I was a little kid, I have always heard these folk tales of uh, La Lechuza and Oh La Bruja, you know, um, you know, the witch of the town, things like that, El Diablo, Cucuy, Chamuco. And when I, I have very fond memories of when I was a kid living in Mexico, going to places like, um, like Calimax, which was our local supermarket, and a lot of these big markets have an aisle that's basically a mini botanica. So you have all your veladoras, novenas, you have saint statues, Santa Muerte statues, statues of Christ, all these wonderful, wonderful images. And I remember being like four or five years old and being in awe of these images. And, you know, growing up Christian, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian household when I was around like 10 years old. That's kind of when my parents became Christian. Um they kind of forced us to go on that spiritual path of Christianity. So I, I kind of learned through that little things like, you know, the power of prayer and reading your Bible, these little things that t- to this day I do, obviously not the Bible, but I still believe in like the strength of prayer and, you know, reading my material, all that jazz. So a lot of my practices came from things that I learned actually from my grandma who was a Catholic, but did a lot of witchy shit when she was alive so, you know, things from like, uh, that my mother would tell me when she was younger, she, my grandma would give my mother and her brothers baths in sage, comfrey, and marijuana. So, Ooh, that's, like, who that's an expensive bath. <laughs> that's a very expensive bath. Um, little things like that, or doing like cabbage remedies for healing and, and rest. You know, it, all these little things that my grandma would do where I was just like, girl, you're a witch. <laughs> And <laughs> when I was in, in my early teens, I really began to dive deep into witchcraft and specifically Mexican witchcraft into brujería. So I started researching about history and Mexican brujos and really going into, you know, folklore and things of that nature. And I spent the first few years of my life just researching, just learning about more of my culture, um, how it affected me and how I was able to connect with the living here in the U.S., and over time, it just began to grow and grow and grow into this practice that has now really enveloped my life and who I am as a person, you know, a very proud Mexican practitioner. Mm-hmm. So Mexico is a very broad country. It's very big and it has an extremely long, rich history. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those journeys where when you want to learn about brujería, you're probably going to spend the rest of your life learning about it because there's just so much of it. So here I am. 15 years later, actually, 15 years ago is when I first started practicing witchcraft officially, and I still don't know it all. I'm still learning, and I think that's the best part of the journey that I've been on. Totally, being a lifelong student. It's also humbling to know, like, you know, I don't know everything as opposed to people who claim to know everything. That's, like, always been a red flag for me when people say, like, I'm a master And we know know those girls. We know those girls Mm, who know everything. We know those Mm. girls. If anyone ever tells you they're, like, a master brujo and they know it all, block them. 
step away. They do a not. master anything, honestly. A master anything, especially within the witchcraft community. I was like, that's you need to sit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I got humbled with that once. Where I, there was like a period in my life where I was kind of being like, "Ooh, shit, I'm good at this." Um, and there was a moment where I had this like spiritual encounter where um, one of the spirits that I work with was basically like. Claiming yourself to be a master is claiming mastery over your spirits, and you do not own that. Mm. And I was just like, ooh, girl, okay, never yeah, again. that's profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's constantly learning and developing and growing and turning into a new person every every moon cycle is something that I think people should really kind of... There is no end goal when it comes to practicing um, any sort of spiritual practice. I don't think there's just being as as well-versed and practicing and being the best that you possibly can be in that moment, I think is the goal. Like just, yeah, you know. It's not a race. No, it's not a rat no. race. It's not a race to do mm-hmm. this. Um, whether you've been on your path for 30 years or you're just starting, you're not competing with anyone and you're not in a race with anyone. So take every step and just being present in the moment and take what you can in the moment. Mm-hmm. You're not in a rush. Mm-hmm. Great advice. Something that I want to ask, um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of crossover in, re- in regards to what, I, what uh, this topic is, but what do you find are the main differences by, uh, between like Mexican folk magic and brujería? Like what's the, what's the main, like where, where, where do they differ and where do you, like, where do you draw the line where like, okay, so that's, that's Mexican folk magic and this is brujería, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of Mexican folk magic has been practiced by people who, it, it can be practiced by literally anyone. Anyone mm-hmm. in Mexico can practice folk magic without claiming the title of brujería or even devoting themselves to a specific spiritual path. Uh, for example, there is a like folk charm where you would take a red string or yarn and you would tie it at one of the legs of your tables or the chairs and it's known as like tying the devil's, the devil's balls. Basically, mm. you're you're binding evil. You're binding like a like a streak of bad luck or things like mm. that. So people do that pretty commonly, and they're not witches. It's just a tradition that has been passed down, known to take care of simple things like that. If somebody give you malojo, which is the evil eye, people will tell you, "Oh, just take some salt with your left hand and throw it behind you, and it'll get rid of malojo." So these are things that, um, little remedies that don't take too much of a spiritual devotion to a path or a practice that anybody can practice. It is open to everyone. Everyone is able to join in on this. Whereas brujería, the practice of witchcraft, requires devotion. It requires a strict, disciplined, and open relationship with the spirits of Mexico. So you can see that the difference lies between the relationship that you have with the history and the spirits and the discipline that comes with it. Hmm. That's Mm -hmm. very clear cut. I have a juicy question. I would love to know your opinion on people, especially Hispanic and Latina diaspora who claim the title of Brujo, Bruja, Brujex versus like what that title actually means from it's like Mexican and Hispanic origins. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, I always tell people, if you are of Latin origin, if your family hails from from those landscapes, um, y- you can become a brujo, bruja, brujex, bruje, 
if you are willing to do the work. And that is the, the big thing about brujería is it is a practice that demands, it requires you to take the time to dive into the history of the spirits, the history of the people, the cultures, the land that you sit on, to develop an understanding of those spirits, of those cultures, you have to have that discipline to research, to study. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the availability to do that. You know, they want to practice all these traditional brujería spells like um, like uh, toad bindings or you know, magia con el sapo, which uh, sapo in, is a toad. They want to work with the spirit, which is very common in brujería, but they don't know about the spirit. They don't know the spiritual context of it, and they don't know what it means to hold a sapo in your hand to communicate with that spirit and do the working with it. Um, brujería is an intense practice. It's not lighthearted in any way. It's not meant for the Wicca woo-woo love and light people. <laughs> brujería can be used to heal Brujería can be used to do all these wonderful things. Um, so that's kind of like where that difference between Mexican folk magic and brujería kind of lines is. Are you able to, you know, to give yourself the discipline to research that history, to connect with the spirits? And if not, you're practicing folk magic. Period. Which is 100% okay. We've talked about this before. Yeah, that's totally yeah. fine. When it comes I mean, when it comes to magic and when it comes to practicing folk magic and actually becoming a witch and like holding that title, there is a very specific way of practicing when you call yourself a witch. Yeah. We've talked about yeah, this. A bit of a price I, comes with it. You I mean, know, it's like switch, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Franny. Oh no, you can go ahead. I was just going to say that's why I stopped using the title like folk Catholic witch and switched it to like practitioner because I don't really even work aligned with like those certain devotions required for witchcraft since I mainly stick within mm-hmm. Santa Muerte and like the Catholic pantheon. But should I venture out and actually do those things that are more in the witchcraft umbrella, I might claim that title again. But mm-hmm. I think it's just mm-hmm. a matter of awareness of knowing what you're claiming when you're using a title or knowing like the context of that title Be- and not just strapping it on. 100%. Because it's not a loose title. That th- that's the thing is that the definition of what it beca- what what it means to be a witch is like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, hold it against anybody because i was victim to it too until i i learned and know knew better you know i always thought that you can slap the title witch on anybody just as long as they're they have some sort of magical practice which is not true um i think that there are different definitions as to what it means to be a witch but there is a very specific thing and this is just based on what i've learned and how i practice is that if you there is a very very specific way of communicating with spirits that makes you a witch it's a very very um it's a very close relationship it's a constant relationship and it's something that has to be constantly fed and maintained and it takes a lot of work it's Mm -hmm. not just thinking of something that you want to manifest and then putting it into a taper candle, letting it burn and waiting for it to happen. That's definitely some, in some ways part of it, but that's not the bulk of it. That's not the meat of, of what it means to be a witch. And it, it like what Franny was talking about, it bleeds into every culture. That idea of the difference between folk magic and actual witchcraft it bleeds into every culture. It's not just in Mexico. It's not just in the Ozarks. It's not just in Europe. There is a specific way of, of practicing 
um, of actually considering yourself a witch. And I mean, there's this whole conversation of initiation, right? There's a conversation Mm -hmm. about, and I've, I've spoke, I've spoke to, um, some of my traditional witchcraft friends who believe that your life is, uh, there, there are moments in your life when you, that you, that actually, you know, initiate you into practicing witchcraft, right? Not just like an actual, like, a ritualistic initiation with a spirit which can happen but also your life is initiation an initiation into um into witchcraft that's why so many queer people practice witchcraft because their life just going through a queer life is is within itself an initiation into witchcraft because you find this this path because um uh you know you're on the fringes you're the marginalized group of people um and mm-hmm. witchcraft is is used to survive it's used to um it's used to it's it's mostly for i'm i'm, I'm this might be a little bit spicy but it's mostly geared towards marginalized groups of people i know that's not necessarily true but like when i see like wow. when wow. when i wow. when i see folks who are let's just say um privileged privileged um cis entitled het, um also white yeah white no melanin yeah no melanin um i'm not holding that against anybody but i'm just saying like cis het white people why do you need witchcraft like okay you call yourself a witch call yourself a witch all you want but why do you need it what are you mm-hmm. using it for right what upper hand do you need help with that you don't already get through white privilege cis het Cis het white men, excuse me. Men. Cis het white men. What are you using witchcraft for? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's just a question I just want to throw out there. Please put it in the comments. If you are a cis het white man, please tell us, man. and you are a witchcraft practitioner, please tell us what you need witchcraft for. What more are you trying to gain that you don't already have? Please tell us. Mm-hmm. Um so oh my gosh <laughs> that's a low I was question just, I, I just got home from watching the barbie movie so I'll have, like, <gasps> how was all about it the oh so good so can i keep hearing second. that it's we so need to go good please go watch it i want to go next weekend for sure so worth Ugh. it the, i just love the humor but uh yeah they just talk about a lot about like patriarchy and shit so i was just thinking about it's so crazy that's male privilege and shit that was going through tiktok a couple of days ago however like the all these fucking idiots are are posting on tiktok saying like um barbie movie is just hating on men and i was like i don't think that's what they're talking about i don't think you actually really paid attention to the Whoop. movie yeah it's mm-hmm. like you shot and you got so close but you got so far away um like totally missed it like you saw the target but you just totally fucking missed it mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm very excited to see that but yeah it's this pa- same this idea of the patriarchy it's ruled by by cis hat white uh cis hat white men um you already belong to the patriarchy. You already you already have the world at your disposal. So why do you need witchcraft? What is what what are you using mm-hmm. witchcraft for? Um, but anyways, what about your practice of brujeria, Franny? Would you be willing to share? Like, what does it look like for you? Whether it's that's uh, the daily practice or a specific ritual, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Like, what does that look like for someone who's never seen brujeria be done? Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, and I think I speak for. A, a good number of of, of um, brujos, brujas, brujas, which by any, uh, if it helps, um, for anyone that wants to use a gender neutral term for brujo or bruja, you can use brujex, which is very modern, but bruje is very commonly used in Mexico. Um, the E 
is very, um, is kind of like the more traditional non-binary term. So like le bruje would be how you would use non-binary, mm-hmm. uh, gender neutral term for, for which, mm-hmm. um, for myself, I usually use bruja or brujo, but that's just me personally. Um, it depends for me, if, brujeria, she, if she's tucked or not tucked and then she knows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how just much rolls off the tongue better too. Bruje. Right. It does, doesn't it? Bruje. Or le bruje. Bruje. Yeah. Le bruje. Um, for me, brujería is a very ancestral practice. And, and I think that's a very common ground for all uh, brujos everywhere. It's very, it's a very heavy ancestral practice because it is the ancestors who crafted the practice to what we know and experience today. So mm-hmm. in my, my opinion, my personal opinion, um, brujería should be at the very center of it should be an ancestral practice. And if it is not, then you are denying the spirits that literally gave you your practice, that literally passed on their spiritual gifts to you. So again, in my opinion, if you're not honoring your ancestors, they are not the center point of your practice, then you are doing them dirty. Not just them, but the spirits of the land that they have also worked with that you just happen to be trying to invoke. Okay. So it, for me, it's very ancestral heavy. Honoring the ancestors, a daily devotion to them, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget to pray to my ancestors. Sometimes I leave out an offering too long or forget to bring offerings. It happens. We're not perfect. But your intent should always be within your ancestral practice. I mean, aside from that, the more practical things that I do are using traditional tools like tijeras, which are scissors, maracas, um, Mm -hmm. using whistles or bones, working with a lot of traditional Mexican plants and herbs like salvia working with, um, oh my God, one of my favorites would probably have to be like albahaca, comino, perajil. You know, there's a lot you can do. There's a lot of traditional Mexican herbs mm-hmm. and plants that are common in our practice. And again, this differs between what is available to you, where you are, whether you're here in the U.S. or you're practicing in one of the many states in Mexico. It it depends. So it's a very, very colorful practice. Um, Voga, you have seen my altar. You have seen my home where I practice my craft. There's a lot of color going on there. There's so many colors within brujería. And you see it in our culture, Mexico is colorful. It's <laughs> and it's so, it's so the opposite of my practice. I'm just like, and it's so <laughs> like everything black. to be black. I was like, uh, like <laughs> okay, listen, because like Franny and I, like I said, we are in business together. So like we have to, like we have to, design a booth and so i want it to reflect the two of us right so when you see mm-hmm. like split down the middle you know which side is franny's side and which side is my side <laughs> yeah because we have two Just looking at our reading tables. when you see because we have two reading tables and you'll know which one is which whose is whose because like franny has all of these like super colorful like pashminas that she like drapes over everything and i just want black yeah. velvet i want you know you know like skulls and like all the like black candles and like candelabras <laughs> and like you know like a like a like a victorian gothic mansion that's what i want to look like you know and it's it's, it's the colors are i've gotten used to it <laughs> it's She's really not. quite beautiful but it's just not it's not something that it, like appeals to me but like mm-hmm. when you see the when you see everything just pulled together it's just like this is very you can see the the culture in it. You can you can really see the yeah. the the people you know that this represents. You know, 
mm-hmm. which is is always the goal for me in my practice. Is I want every bit of my practice to represent my, you know, my culture, my country, my people, where my family comes from, where my ancestry hails from. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, just who I am as a person. I like, I love black. Like, be most, you know, you see my closet; it's mostly black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but brujeria is a very colorful practice. It is, it is so because it's an extremely co- colorful. colorful culture. Like the culture is so, yeah. it's so dense in color. And that's I'm not even mm-hmm. just saying like physical color itself. Just the culture itself is in so many ways, so colorful, it's loud. It's, it's, um, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's very, not necessarily in your face, but it's notice me, you know, it's yeah. very, um, it's very elegant. It's very flamboyant, you know, it's very, um, textures and, and just the, you know, the Mexican culture is a very, it's an amalgamation of a lot of things, I'm sure, but yeah. um, there's a lot of influences in that, but it's, it's, it, it really is a, uh, um, beautiful to, I mean, like, look at what, you're sitting next to right now that that tapestry it's one that's right next to your dining room um this is a a wichol tapestry mm -hmm. it's from jalisco yeah so beautiful that's what we're talking about it's like it's like the the aesthetic of francisco and the aesthetic of voga are just so they're polar opposites but they just work they work they work for some reason they work (laughs) yeah (laughs) they for some odd reason Uh, um and you see that all, I mean, you see that in every aspect of, of my country. I mean, you see it and you hear our music. I mean, Bogas listen to my, when I slap on Mexican music. Yeah, folk music is really it's beautiful. Loud. Yeah. It's colorful, mm. you know, and you see it in our food. Our food is so, the same, rich, flavorful, colorful. There's, there's no room to be boring in brujeria. Okay. <laughs> there's no room to be boring. If your, if your brujeria is plain, and unseasoned, you're not a brujo, you're... Salted chicken breast? I don't know what you are. Salted, uh, just a plain <laughs> salted chicken breast? Boiled chicken breast. No, there's no room for that. You need to be open to the color, the noise, and the busyness that is this practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to I wanna kind of just really back a little bit, because you mentioned um, brujeria being very ancestral. So something that I want to kind of touch on... Um, because I'm assume I, I'm assuming that um, because Mexico is a colonized um, colonized state, it's a colonized mm-hmm. um, it's a colonized country, and the people were effectively colonized by the same group of people that colonized mm-hmm. us, um, who were the Spaniards. Yeah. Uh, I would assume that your most of your ancestors were Catholic. So, um, what are the Catholic influences that exist and and if you're willing to share, you incorporate into your practice. Sure. So there's not very many. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> not very many. I mean, like Francisco, like are, going they, they away from there. Brujeria, like Francisco and I were surrounded by people who are very not Catholic. And Francisco is also not Catholic. So um, I just want to make that very clear that um, Francisco is not Catholic. <laughs> no, no. Capital N-O. Um, so the things that I do do that do have Catholic influence are my rosaries. And that specifically really comes in practice with my devotion to La Santa Muerte, Mm -hmm. where I do hold the rosary in my hands when I'm doing prayers. I'll use it when I'm doing spell work, um, certain workings. I currently have the rosary around my staff, um, to, you know, really give it that power. And there, 
I don't really do it as much anymore, but it did used to use some Bible verses in my practice, mm-hmm. specifically the more like violent ones from like uh, Revelations, where it's like things of like destruction, um, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, or like using Bible pages for, for certain workings. So those things, I mean, I, I do use novenas, which are very Catholic in nature. But, and, you know, saint stat- I've had saint statues before, but I think that's it, honestly. There's not a whole lot. Prayer. Actually, that. I do believe in the power of prayer and actually do want to give credit to my parents whom I don't get along very well with my parents. They're very, very hardcore Christian. My grandmother was a devout Catholic, but I have seen over time how prayer can really invoke energy, can really invoke the spirits to come to you. I mean, every time I would visit my grandmother in Mexico, or even the short time that I, uh, when I lived with her, every time we would leave the house, she would always um, recite a prayer and do a cross on me and my sisters. Every time, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. And she would do like a little prayer of like, I love you so much, be well, be healthy. I still do that. I still do a cross on my on myself when I pray. Now, is it necessarily like the cross for Christ? Not to me anymore. It's more of like the crossroads on my body. You know, that binding of whatever I'm, whatever spell, whatever working I'm doing, I am binding it so that it may come to fruition. Um, but it is still something that you see in Catholicism. It has its roots in Catholicism. So I would say those are probably the only things that I do that are Catholic. And obviously anything that I actually incorporate into, like when we work together, like that's very Catholic. Mm -hmm. Um, So like when Fran and I will, will, will cast together, there are aspects of both of our practices into our spell work that we actually incorporate at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll join me while I, while I recite the rosary or, um, you know, in, in Nomine Patri Sicfiliti Spiritu Sancti, I'll do that over you if we're about to do Mm -hmm. an event or, you know, whatever. Um, So there is a little bit of like, you know, kind of carryover into because, you know, yeah, you know, Mexico is a very like just like the Philippines. It's a very Catholic. Um, it's a very Catholic, very Jesus centered um, culture. So um, as much as we like to delineate from any of those things, like it's kind of difficult because everything has its because just the way the world works now, everything has its roots in Christianity. Um something can be rooted to Christianity <laughs> because it was a very, yeah. it was very effective in um, taking over the world. So mm-hmm. yeah. very much so, mm-hmm. which um, if, if anyone is wondering, do you need to practice Catholicism or Christianity to practice Buddha? You do not uh, by all means, you, you just don't have to, but it is important to know that that is a part of the culture and, even though it was brought on to this to my country through horrible means, through genocidal, violent means, it over time the people have become conditioned to it. It's become now a part of the daily norm. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't want to practice Catholicism or Christianity, you don't have to. But if you choose to, also don't feel guilty about it because you practicing Catholicism or Christianity within the context of brujeria does not mean that you support the institution that is responsible for my people's, you know, genocide. Correct me if I'm wrong, Franny, but I feel like, I don't know if we talked about this in the Santa Muerte episode you were a guest on like way, way back when, but uh, 
didn't you like used to be reluctant about using any Catholic aspects in your practice? And like, if so, like when, when did that transition? Like what caused you to then begin incorporating that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Voga's like me. Um, yeah, it would be more from Voga actually. Voga did influence a lot of like my, you know, that Catholic bringing into my, uh, my practice. Um, because yeah, pretty much before Voga stepped in, I never and really ruined her life. Jesus, Just ruined. She ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> ruined she my does practice. Best. Yeah, it's it's what I'm um, really good at. And now I'm a devout Christian woman of God, yeah. thanks to her. Um, so Voga did really bring that into my life. I mean, I never really touched a rosary before Voga came into my life. Um, I kind of used them with my grandma, but that was really it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things like that, the Voga has influenced my life. And I thought, okay, like, I can use this without feeling guilty because I know this isn't supporting the institution. This is what I'm using to connect with my spirits. So there's that aspect. Um, Specifically, when it comes to my relationship to La Santa Muerte, I don't really have much Catholic uh, ties with her. I mean, one, canonically, the, the church rejected her. So she is not a canonical catholic spirit although there are people that can venerate her through the catholic lens which is totally fine um yeah because there i mean we talked about this before how people who are devotees of uh, santa muerte are some of them are catholic catholic yeah yeah a lot of i would say most in mexico mm-hmm. have catholic or christian practices along with their devotion to santa muerte um but you know for myself i have found means and i found a a very steady and stable practice with la santa muerte without making it centered around christianity or catholicism but again that is just me personally every bruje is different there are catholic brujes there are um, christian brujes and there are some that are pure um they practice purely the old indigenous practices which at that point many of them don't even call themselves um, brujos anymore. There are many other words now, curanderos, chamanes, a plethora of titles that they can take. I have an interesting question that I don't think has been asked before. At least I haven't heard this question. Um, we were talking about, um, in our last episode, we talked about ancestral veneration. And we we're talking about how, you know, like, let's say, for example, you were adopted. Um, and let's say, for example, um, just for the sake of, of this conversation, someone who is white was adopted into a Mexican family and they wanted to um, start working with the ancestors of their adoptive family and they, be- and they become interested in brujería. How do you see someone who didn't, who isn't necessarily, their bloodline doesn't line up with um with Mexican culture or their, you know, their, their origins isn't Mexican. Like it's more your, you know, European mm-hmm. or anything like that. Or even just because you mentioned that, um, Ujeria is more like, it's very ancestral ancestor driven. Right. So how mm-hmm. do you feel about folks who one, maybe, um, are part of an adoptive family who want to explore their, their adoptive family's ancestry and then practicing brujería or someone who isn't Mexican and it doesn't come from a Mexican background, um, practicing brujería. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot I can say about that. 
Um, and again, these are just my opinions. It is not like an official rule or anything. This is just what I think. I'm pretty sure there are other brujas out there that may think differently. Um, for me, brujeria is firstly reserved to the people of, and this specifically just Mexican brujeria, um, specifically to the people that do come from that culture. Mm -hmm. Um, we have first dibs, and I think anyone can agree on that. We have first dibs on our own culture, on our own spiritual practices, and our own ancestors. Now, is brujeria a quote-unquote closed practice? Um, there, there's a little bit of a middle ground there, because if you're someone who is not from this culture, you're not from this country, you don't have lineage with this country, it, it's, it can be difficult to connect with it when you didn't have a proper upgrading in it. If you don't speak the language, you don't know that much about the history, the language, the food, the music. If you're not too familiar, it's going to be pretty difficult to connect with those spirits because a lot of our spirits are celebrated and venerated through the food, through the music, mm -hmm. through the many languages and dialects that exist within just Mexico alone. So you would have to put in a lot of time and effort to really get the hang of brujeria and to honor those ancestors. Now, Mexicans in nature are very welcoming people. We are very welcoming people. We want people to know about our culture, our history. We want you to celebrate our holidays with us and to be a part of our of who we are and you know as contributors to the human race. But if you choose to go down that route, you have to understand you need to learn about our ancestors. Our ancestors can be willing to adopt you into our culture. We are willing to bring you in and teach you, but you got to be willing to learn and to accept things as we give them to you. Don't enter the path of brujeria wanting to influence it because mm -hmm. already you are entering with the, the colonizer mindset mm -hmm. of, I'm going to bring my ideas into brujeria. No, mm -hmm. vice versa. Let our ancestors bring their ideas, their experiences into your practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That it's, it's a very thin line. It's one or the other. One works, one will not work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a perfect segue into the question I had for you, Franny, is like, whether it's for research purposes or someone who actually wants to begin to go down the path of brujeria or at least incorporate it into their practice, what are any sources you would recommend, be it books, videos, online courses, teachers, whatever, whatever you can recommend? Sure. There are so many. <laughs> there, there really are a lot. Now, brujeria is not as common and not as really open out there as, for example, like European paganism as Wicca, as all these other practices that you, you see, you know, the very white practices that are still the majority within online place spaces like Instagram, TikTok, things like that. Um, Brujeria is starting to really make it, its, its presence known in those spaces. So I'm hoping more people begin to engage and to really put it out there who we are as practitioners. Um, the best way to practice Brujeria is pure experience. You have to get there and experience. Now, I'm not saying move to Mexico, transplant, and, you know, spend the rest of your life there. Not at all. But connect with the people. Um, look at the history of our food. Listen to our music. What is our music saying to you? Um, talk to the people who have immigrated from Mexico to here, to the U.S. Talk to those people and listen to their experiences. The thing with Brujeria is... You can read all the books you want, which I'll name some right now. But 
you have to understand is that brujería is an experience. It is an amalgamation of experiences. Um, experiences that are blessings and experiences that come from suffering. You have to be able to listen to both and be willing to experience both. Any book on brujería that you read, at least any credible one in my opinion, is going to be a mix of blessing and baneful. Good and evil and everything in between. It is neutral. So if you're looking for someone, look for those those green flags. I think if, if it's too, too one-sided or the other, it's a little bit of a red flag for me. Um, it also, also varies where you are from. So for example, brujería from Texas may look different from brujería from California. It may look different from Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, all these states that used to belong to Mexico. And same people from Mexico, like I mentioned earlier before, somebody from Yucatan may be practicing differently from someone from Sinaloa or Veracruz or Baja Sur. You know, it changes. So there's not one set path. But one of my favorite people would have to be City Alchemist. I knew, I, I, knew that, I knew they were going to come up. They were <laughs> yes. definitely going to come up in this conversation for sure. Yeah. City Alchemists are absolutely fantastic. Please give them a follow and show them some support. They have wonderful knowledge, um, you know, the, that Mexican Texas magic, you know, which if people are wondering, like, what's the difference between Mexican-American brujería and, like, traditional Mexican brujería, they come from the same place. Um, people try to differentiate them and say, oh, no, they're totally different. No, they're not. Mexican-American brujería is brujería practiced on land that used to belong to Mexico. So it's all Mexican. Sorry. If anyone disagrees, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of my favorite books, um, which, Rye, I know you're quite the fan of, would have to be Magia Magia. Yes. Magia Magia is wonderful. And then there's uh, Blood of Brujeria. Mm. These books are... When I read these books and saw and read, like, some of the shit that I grew up hearing about and, like, have practiced myself, I felt so represented. These books really give you a dive into the spirits that we work with and the magic that we work with. And I will say, especially with Blood of Brujeria, not for the faint of heart. If you are love and light, wicka wicka woo, <laughs> these <laughs> wicka, books wicka, are woo, not... Wicka woo. <laughs> these books are not for you. Um, they represent brujería perfectly. There's love, there's prosperity and protection, and then there's also blood and workings to unalive someone. Mm-hmm. And that's the nature of brujería. I mean, there are, and outside of these books, there are spells and workings that involve, you know, animal sacrifice that are still practiced today. Um, human sacrifice, not like unaliving someone, but like sacrificing your blood, sacrificing a limb. These still actually do exist. I would say aside from those books, um, Erika Buenaflor, absolutely wonderful. Now, I don't think she identifies as a bruja. She is a curandera, which is a very common practice in Mexico. Curandera um, or curanderismo is the art of Mexican folk healing. They are the healers of Mexico. Um, if that's a practice that you'd be interested in, I highly recommend reading literally anything by Erika Buenaflor. Uh, the Cleansing Rites of Curanderismo, mm. absolutely wonderful. And then there's Animal Medicine, which I absolutely love because I work very heavily with animal spirits. 
um, as they are also considered the ancestors of the land. So definitely a good book to read. You will see a lot of traditional Mexican books um, in some rare spaces online. Um, if you go to Mexico, you'll see these books. If you go to Botanicas, you'll find some of these books. But they're really small books kind of written by random people. Um, this is Magia Folk Mexicana, Rituales, Conjuros y Purificaciones um, by Enriquez Gonzalez Rubio Montoya. I know, the, the name is long. Um, which is just a book of Christian-based magic. A lot of these spells in here are Christian-based. So it was really interesting for myself to read who is not a Christian, but seeing how I was able to incorporate this into my craft as well. <laughs> she, had to, so, she had to sit in the shower and have the shower running because she kept bursting into flames every single time. I kept, exactly. <laughs> I was sweating like a whore in church. Um, <laughs> Which if she I walked into like church, she would be a whore in church. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it would happen. Yeah, a handy under the pulpit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a handy under the pulpit. Why do you think those pulpits are so large? A, a horror con a conventional. Why do you think those pulpits are so big? Preacher's hiding something, someone underneath, and it's fine. It's totally fine. So most of the time they're underage. That is, and most of the time they're underage. Where's the lie? <laughs> um, if you want to look for somebody online, I highly recommend. I think, uh, and I may be mispronouncing her name, but it's uh, Janelle Langoria. She mm. is a Santa Muerte devotee on YouTube, and I think she's probably, I think, from what I've seen, like the biggest. YouTuber that does videos on Santa Muerte, Mexican folk magic, and things of that nature. Um, she's a, a, I think, from I remember, a Mexican American person. I think she's from Texas, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely check her out. It, from what I've seen in her videos, she's not from Mexico. I think she was born and raised in Texas, learning Spanish. And I know there's a lot of people out there that may be of Mexican descent but maybe they're fourth, fifth, sixth generation Mexican and they don't really speak Spanish anymore. They're not too familiar with the culture. I think she's a really great resource to get your foot in the door um, if you want to learn about folk magic versus straight up brujeria. And of course, if you're devoted to Santa Muerte, you want to learn about Santa Muerte, she's also a wonderful resource. And history books. Read history books. Oh my God, I cannot get enough about that. Even if they're history books from like school, just read a history book. Read about the history of our colonization. Read about the history of Mexico before colonization. Who were the Olmecas, las Aztecas, Maya? Who were these people and how they were able to spread into thousands and thousands of other wonderful indigenous cultures? You know, the history is very diverse and rich. Learn about how Mexico had so much Chinese influence within our practice. When um, Chinese communities migrated to Mexico, when the Irish came, when the Germans came, when Haitian people, when African people came, learn about that history. It's, believe me, it may seem like a boring history textbook, but you'd be surprised how much that influences your magic and how that opens you up to learning about the spirits and our ancestors. These are our ancestors. That's a great list of resources. How, how do you feel about American Burjaria by J. Allen Cross? You, you can be 100% transparent. This is okay. a safe space. I will say this. Um, how do I put this? So when I first did a review on, on American Brujeria, um, I think I posted about it like on my YouTube and Instagram. I think I gave it a B. Didn't the two of you do a live about it years ago? With me and... And Rye? Jay? No. The two of you. It was... Oh. Did we? 
I think we might have. You guys, the two of you did a live together. That's right. Yeah. Okay. It's all coming back to me. At my age, we just kind of tend to forget everything. Speak for yourself. We support our senior <laughs> citizens here. Thank you. <laughs> she's just starting, Franny. She's just starting her um, her Saturn return. She doesn't understand yet. Oh, okay. You'll know when you get to my age, dear. Hmm. I mean, ask Vogo. She's been there for a long time already. <laughs> my um, Saturn return was like six hundred years ago. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just talking about your age, honey. Um. So I gave it a B, and. I think I was being nice. I think I was being very nice with that B. Now, I like what the book stood for, you know, for people that are mixed, Mexican-American, and they want to learn about brujeria. Um, I think that is a wonderful foundation for that book. Absolutely wonderful. Um, And Jay is a very credible practitioner. Um, They've been practicing for quite a long time. So I... Outside of that, I don't really know too much about the practice because I don't. Um, we don't. We haven't really had much communication. But what I will say um, about that book is, read it for yourself and see how you like it. Um, the Santa Muerte chapter was a disgrace. <laughs> it was an utter disgrace, in my opinion. Um, reading that chapter was like a knife in my heart. You know, it it really hit a soft spot when. She, uh, when he made Santa Muerte seem classist. When he said, if two Santa Muerte devotees go head to head, who is Santa Muerte going to pick? And he said, well, whoever has the bigger offering. So a rich Santa Muerte devotee is always going to have the upper hand over mm. someone who's living in poverty. Way to make her classist. Interesting. So, yeah. So that, to me, was like, that is not who Santa Muerte is. She is for the poor. She is for the marginalized people. So that kind of made it seem like something that was unreachable for people that are in a financially tough space. Mm-hmm. So that's just one point. Um, the book is very heavily Catholic. So if it, it makes it feel like this is brujeria, is Catholicism, which is false in every sense of the word. Again, like I mentioned earlier, you can practice brujeria through the Catholic lens, 100%. Um, but I thought the book kind of lacked the ability to properly state you don't have to be a Catholic and this, you know, these aren't the only ways. Um, and then also the whole, like, I coined the term of Mexican-American brujeria. Like, did you, though? Because um, I've heard that term plenty of times when I was growing up. Well. <laughs> um, nobody coined Mexican-American brujeria. No one created that. That is something that was amalgamated over time. So there, with all that set aside, there are some good spells in there. Um, the chapter on La Virgen de Guadalupe, I thought that was a very rich, enriching chapter. Um, as someone who also prays to La Virgen de Guadalupe, chapter, fantastic. Um, do I think it is a proper doorway to brujeria? Not necessarily. But I also don't want to gatekeep someone from reading the book. Read it for yourself and create your own opinion. These are just my opinions as another Mexican. Um, mm-hmm. But again, just to reiterate, I do believe in the foundation that he was trying to create to reach out to the people who have been disconnected from that culture. It is a good stepping stone. But I think the more you grow into your brujeria, you're probably going to step out of that stage soon. 
that's my opinion. So I'd probably give it like a B minus or a C. Hmm. Thank you for that opinion and that mm-hmm. that that lens in which to see the book. I agree with the Santa Muerte chapter. It was definitely my my <laughs> thing was that he reached out to other devotees for information on Santa Muerte, and I'm like, for me personally, I wouldn't write chapters on a subject that I don't personally right. like partake yes in, it know? should have been oh occluded it shouldn't it should have just been in occluded it, 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 it probably shouldn't have been in the book at, at all exactly mm-hmm. and to anyone wa- wondering this doesn't discredit who jay allen is as a practitioner um again i don't know what their practice looks like but just from the book itself mm. But again, I, I can't judge their entire practice or who they are as a person just because of this one book. Well, they still yeah. have plenty of good resources available. Coming mm-hmm. coming from an outside perspective, I read the book, and for me, um, for my practice, it's a wonderful foundation, um, in in especially in folk Catholicism. Um, mm-hmm. It has a really really great. I, I really loved the book when I first read it because I didn't. I don't. I don't. The Santa what I it didn't occur to me that it was in any way um, um, disrespectful or lacking in any way, because I don't, I never considered myself uh, working with La Santa Muerte, but the rest of the book is very, is very, it's, it, it is rooted. Uh, there's a lot of um, conversations on folk Catholicism that I think is really, really important. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you do want to kind of dip your toes into like the, um, like the Mexican um, lens of folk Catholicism, especially here in the United States, I think it's mm-hmm. a really good foundation because that a lot of the things that I read in that book, I actually performed and they were very, very effective. And I still perform now mm-hmm. like the talisman, the talisman consecration that um, Jay, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Jay has in that book. I still do it now. Um, I, I set shit on fire and I, I, I put three, <laughs> three taper candles around a talisman and that's how I consecrate them, you know, and that came from, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I sprinkle a little bit of my own flavor into it, but that the foundation of that spell was from that book. Um, mm-hmm. So it is a, it is a good foundational book in, in my opinion, um, in regards to it being actually like a brujeria book. I, mm-hmm. I can't speak on that because I don't practice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Everything Boga yeah. said, I do agree. Um, I would say if, if, if I could, I would just rename it, Catholic, Mexican-American folk magic. Because to me, reading the book, that's what it sounded like. Like, Catholic, Mexican-American folk magic versus brujeria. And I also understand mm-hmm. that J. Allen Cross is a folk Catholic practitioner, correct? Correct, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. So it, it does match up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's my opinion on the book. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, you know, I'm partial. I love Jay. I agree with everything you brought up, Franny, and, and you as well, Voga. Um, I can't vouch to their products, though. I've bought products from them. I've also had tarot readings from them. So they are a, they are a pretty legit practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, so please don't let our They're very well seasoned. On, yeah, don't let our opinions on what was what we perceived as not good in the book dissuade you from reaching out to Jay for any services because that's not what we're trying to convey. Oh no, and that's yeah. also it's not just an opinion on a book. That's not, not fair. Yeah, personally. that's exactly right. That's not a that's not fair to to um base an opinion on um a book that jay a very successful book that jay wrote mm, um yeah. and um kind of conflate it with their practice uh, because you yeah. disagree mm-hmm. with it you know it's just it, the lord knows how the internet is yeah i know exactly please don't go to jay's page and say anything or start 
influencing our opinions to your opinion also like experience it yourself not just jay anyone like just don't do that Mm -hmm. like read the book (laughs) read the book have an opinion and then when people ask give your opinion but don't like calm everyone needs to calm down like we don't yeah calm your titties we don't need all Mm -hmm. of this like this like touch grass eat a granola bar touch grass yeah, mm-hmm. everyone needs to come. Have a corona. Like no one needs to hear your opinion when it's not asked for. Let's that's the I think that's the that's the 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 downfall of what the internet has become is that everyone believes or everyone thinks that their opinion should be heard. I'm just like just keep it to yourself until no. you're asked. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, no one's asking for your opinion unless unless you someone asked actually asks directly. for it. Yeah. Nobody is asking and nobody cares to hear like, it. Just wait for someone mm-hmm. to ask you before you actually open your goddamn mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, okay um franny do you have anything else to add before we move on to the post show uh sure i mean if there is anyone listening which there's if there's anyone hundreds listening hundreds fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the two people that are listening and it's ryan probably um to the hundreds and thousands of people that are going to be listening to this and to the thousands more in the future oh amen. because again I have to, again, I'm someone that loves to repeat himself because I love hearing my own voice. Um, (laughs) Makes one of us. (laughs) On brand. Makes one of us. Um, This podcast is immaculate. (laughs) It brings on some of the best speakers that I have heard. um, Some of the greatest practitioners, most authentic, real practitioners on here. So, again, if you are listening to this podcast for the first time, start from episode one and read up. You will not be disappointed by the plethora of information it's beautiful there's nothing like it thank you and i'm not just saying that again because i'm your friends because we're not friends to be yeah it's like we're not even friends (laughs) the real thing (laughs) we're not even friends um to anybody that wants to learn about brujeria and especially if you don't come from this culture talk to us talk to us we again mexicans we're so open we're we're very welcoming especially franny I'm so open, so welcoming, so open to literally anyone or anything. You'll get used, especially if you have cash. You'll get used to the smell. Yeah, and if you have cash, mm, you get used to the smell. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, hate you, hate you so much. Um, you know, you're you are welcome to learn about our practice. I don't want to make anyone feel gatekept. Um, you're welcome to learn about my practice. Is that the same of actually picking it up and doing it? Yes, that is different. But I do highly recommend you learn about my culture, learn about my country, my people, um, and how we approach our spirituality. Learn about the spirits that we work with. I mean, learn about Santa Muerte, San La Muerte, Xochipilli, el, el, you know, el, el Angelito Negro, Jesus Malvado. Learn about all these spirits. And if you are existing outside of this culture and you do want to dip your toes into brujería, Speak to a brujo. Speak to a bruja, a bruje. Read the books, but talk to an authentic practitioner. Um, like I said, we're pretty open with the knowledge that we have. We'll give you what we know and help you get it. How to do things the right way. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, thank you so much. We really Gracias. appreciate that. Um, uh, and also, thank you for coming on with us. I we I thank you for having me again. Of course, of course, always. Well, if you ever have a, anything that you want to talk about, please let us know, and we'll more than welcome to come on the show. 
Um, hey, well, remind me to unblock you. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just remember that part. Um, mm-hmm. But for anyone who hasn't yet done so, we are actually about to move to the post show, which is a Patreon exclusive show that we have where we just talk in Kiki for an extra 30 minutes. Um, so you get an extra 30 minutes with the red text and our lovely guest, Francisco. Um, you can join the coven at patreon.com slash the red text. Um, and we have different tiers that offer different benefits. Please go and choose the, ben- the choose the tier that, you, that resonates with you the most. It's so much fun. We have um, monthly rosary circles, which our next one is actually sh- coming up. Um, most likely next week. Um, uh, so um, where we actually do a live rosary circle where everyone comes together, we go through a rosary, we check in with each other, we talk about how everyone's doing. It's it's a wonderful, it's our, it's personally my favorite benefit. Um, and we also do the post show, which is just extra content that you can consume. Um, so yeah, please go and subscribe, become part of the coven. Thank y'all for joining us for another Unholy Communion with the Red Text. I'm your co-host, Rai, a.k.a. the Mestizo Mystic on Instagram. And I'm your other co-host, Voga, and I am Voga Ilumicente. And I am Francisco, soon to be El Brujo de la Guadaña. And we'll see you all on our next Unholy Communion. Bye!